Hi, welcome to the first episode of the Paranormal Wishes podcast. We're a podcast where authors geek out about anything and everything the paranormal genre has to offer. And I just realized we didn't go over which order we're going to introduce ourselves. So why don't you go first? Hi, I'm TJ Deschamps, and I am a paranormal women's fiction author and urban fantasy and fairy tale retellings. And I'm Coral Alejandra Moore. I uh, write fantasy and paranormal. And uh, all my books are kissing books. And we're here to talk to you today about uh, what is the paranormal genre. Um, So we figured we would start out. (laughs) It is a good question. (laughs) So I did open up the dictionary definition of paranormal just so we would have something to work with. And it's really funny. Uh, It says denoting events or phenomena such as telekinesis or clairvoyance that are beyond the scope of normal scientific understanding. So it's very specific. (laughs) Wow. That's highly specific. And part of the genre of paranormal (laughs) when it comes to paranormal fiction in books movies and television it's part there are telekinetics and psychics well what do you think uh the definition is well i mean it can be pretty broad but um usually when i think of uh paranormal i think of psychics and witches and ghosts and vampires and i kind of think of the monsters within it but really it's anything that is out of the ordinary out of the mundane it's anything supernatural really for me that's what paranormal means to me yeah i like the comparison to uh supernatural i think that's that's really a good um a good thing to anchor to um the other thing i like is you know just magic and anything and everything that is magical or that can't be explained through scientific means yeah okay so now that we've got a little bit of a definition going uh let's talk a little bit about the expectations of the genre so when you're reading or watching or listening to something paranormal uh what does it what does it feel like it has to have like does it have to have x number of creatures does it have to be 30 percent magical is there any kind of um barrier ah that's where we border magical realism versus paranormal but yeah with paranormal i think that um it affects the daily life of whatever the protagonist is either they Mm -hmm. are a paranormal creature or the paranormal world affects them and it affects the plot and it affects um, their character development. Yeah, it it definitely has to be involved somehow. I mean, there's a whole kind of subgenre, I feel like, where the the main character is just like a normal human. Um, But even though they're a normal human, they still become involved in the, the paranormal world for whatever reason. And it has dragged them in so that they have to um, deal with it and they have to confront the creatures or the magic or whatever's going on. Oh, those are the best because they're fish out of water stories, you know, like they (laughs) might be totally competent in the mundane world, but then they get in the supernatural world and they're like, Oh, wow. Everybody's more powerful than I am. And now I have to grow. And that's, Oh, that's an excellent way of storytelling. Definitely. Uh, what would you say would not be paranormal? So I think we have to stay. So I think regular old monster stories, kind of like the the horror 
stories of like the 80s and 90s. I think those are maybe not paranormal as we're kind of describing it because there's no even though there's like paranormal creatures or supernatural creatures, the main character isn't necessarily involved in the supernatural stuff, right? Like sometimes it's just as simple as monster X is coming after me and I have to get away. And that doesn't really feel to me like a paranormal story. That's more like a, a horror story almost. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then we'll definitely get into later about paranormal versus <laughs> horror versus <laughs> fantasy because yeah. they do overlap. Um, but yeah, that would, that would be a good, you know, like when it's, when it's meant to scare and not meant to grow, I think that mm. that would get out of the broader definition of it instead of um, being a tool. It's part of um, just a tool of another genre. Yes. Right. Is there anything that you feel like doesn't belong? Um, for me, the paranormal genre, what doesn't belong, I think, and this would probably um, be controversial, but I think what doesn't belong in paranormal right now is um, something that's actively practiced. And, um, and I don't mean like, shoot, cause I do involve a religion in my books, but, um, in mythology, but, um, I think that something that is, um, what doesn't belong in paranormal is any way vilifying a community. That's what doesn't belong in paranormal for me and, yeah. and, and or paranormal used as a moral device like oh well you know like this is bad so we want to stay away from this you know we want to mm. get, we want to get into like the whole 80s you know what how you know D was vilified and things like that i think that doesn't belong in paranormal paranormals used to um drive a point of something that is anti like anti magic and you know like a genre everybody likes that's what i i think doesn't belong that's that's really really interesting to me and and i think it's important too because um sometimes in paranormal stories we get into kind of a a place of you know preaching that certain i don't know beliefs are more important than other ones or are better than other ones or are preferable to other ones in in whatever way and that feels very um it feels like it belongs somewhere else. You're totally right. <laughs> I don't know where, but not yeah, making not a monster here. out of anything that doesn't think like you do. Boom. You know, like, yeah. That, that, yeah. That and I actually, <laughs> I think paranormal actively twists that. In fact, it tries to make monsters and things that aren't like you and things that behave differently than you a little more approachable and a little more, um, I'm going to say necessary, but like as part of the fabric of the world is, is what I yeah, mean. Yeah. And I think that kind of gets us into the history of the genre. If we go back to like, you know, For I sure. mean, there's it's earlier than this. I mean, paranormal has been along as long as humans have been telling ghost stories or, you know, stories of mythology and magic. But like if we go in the history of the genre, we go back to like Mary Shelley. Everybody says Frankenstein, you know, Frankenstein as if that's the monster's name, but it was always the doctor who was the monster of her story, not mm. not the creation. And I liked that, you know, that it was the humans. It wasn't the supernaturals. Yeah, and that's definitely something that was brought forward too. I, I think a lot of the stories 
that are being told right now in the genre are very much, yes, there's monsters and monsters are scary, but the really scary things are the people and what people can do. Um, and of course, if we're talking about Mary Shelley, kind of like the other um, the other person that belongs there is Bram Stoker, of course, and uh, you know, the Dracula story. And that's kind of the two um, Gothic era monster stories that probably started at least the literary convention of paranormal stuff. Um, like you were saying, we've been telling stories and mythologies and other things going back forever. But when it started to become sort of the literary appreciation of these things was with them, I think. Yeah. And I, yeah. And like, I think, I think Bram Stoker or Bram Stoker, he was like the opposite end of Mary Shelley. He was more like, 100%. the monsters are bad and these virtues are good. And he, Bram Stoker is a can of worms to open of, wow, what not to do, what not to do when you're an author, you know, like, like now, now, but you know, like, yeah, this stuff had a place in historically, but yeah, now a lot of people are opening like, Oh, guess what he did there and guess what he did there and 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 it's like wow like it's it's amazing and like the penny dreadfuls like that was another one some of the authors would be more like like the the, a penny dreadful was a um a periodical that would come out be printed cheap they were only a penny the masses could read them and they were for the stories of you know vampires witches all that you know everything that's paranormal today like penny dreadfuls we cut a lot from that you know like from that except for you know we are shifting on our head from the vilifying to, you know, turning it around to, okay, who's the real monsters here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially with Stoker. I think there was a lot of uh, moral preaching. It seemed like, you know, especially where women were concerned, you know, women, if, if, if you were a little bit slutty, then it was your fault. Whatever happened to you. You know, I always come back to, oh, I can't remember what her name is, but Mina's friend who yeah. uh, oh, has yeah. like a relationship with Dracula. And yeah. you're like, well, you know, she brought it on herself because she, she should have been chased. And if she had been, none of this would have happened. And I'm just like, mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pining away for somebody that went to another country for months and months and months and months and then just <laughs> right, stopped writing right. you. <laughs> just be <laughs> her friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should yeah. wait. Just wait for your, your man to come home. He'll be back eventually or something. <laughs> Very yeah. dated now when you look at a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, um, and as we kind of come forward a little bit uh, in time, I know we had talked about uh, like the 80s and 90s oh, horror yeah. genres yes. um, where you and I both have a lot of love for it's- those old, older movies. Um, so tell me about where you think that fits in. So when I was a kid, I mean, my inspiration as an author, my, when I was a kid, my parents watched a lot of B horror movies with like vampires and i always wondered why are the ladies running from this dude he's just gonna make him immortal like the rest of these people here don't run just go <laughs> just go with it seems like a good deal <laughs> <laughs> this is a good deal what's wrong with you and like i mean and then there was you know the zombie movies that that, that would come out back then i watched a lot that i really shouldn't have and we've got we've had conversations about that before about being children of the 80s yeah. 
80s kids watched and read a lot of things we shouldn't have probably oh yes Stephen King very questionable stuff that cemetery like yeah and all those other like just stuff that but yeah and so much so in fact our conversations that we spawned a whole off a whole nother episode where we're going to talk just about like the tv shows and movies and how that fits into the genre because we started talking about it and our list grew so long we were like that's an entire (laughs) other episode so we have that to look forward to i think next time uh we'll come back and, and talk about that stuff um separately and in a lot more detail um but yeah i think you're right i think um especially people who are around our age kind of grew up with a lot of that horror and that kind of underpins what the paranormal genre is now. Uh, I think we, we also both talked about uh, reading a lot of horror when we were, uh, you know, in the like 12 to 15 age. Um, We both read a lot of Stephen King and, you know, he's always shelved in horror, but you know, that's paranormal too. Like his worlds are very heavily magical and very heavily supernatural. And I, I, I feel like he's mislabeled as horror or maybe, you know, paranormal just butts up against horror, like really, really closely. Oh, it does. I mean, yeah. Cause these are like, you know, these are the stories that were meant to scare us, you know, like before King, you know, like, and you know, he meant to scare us too, but like, I, I feel paranormal gives us, a safe place to explore the things that scare us or, you know, or put them in a fun place, you know, like there's a lot of authors doing that and we could go into that, you know, like that, or, you know, like, and we will go into that in future episodes about monsters and, you know, where they have a place, you know, historically versus where we're putting them today in society. And I touched on it a little, but like there's some really fun stuff going on in the paranormal genre right now with that particular trope. Yeah, I agree. And I think maybe that's where the line is. I think you're right on where horror is like, these are monsters and they're really scary. And then paranormal is like, but it's kind of hot too, right? And it's kind of fun and kind of exciting. And there's another side to it that's not, these things are all evil. Instead, you know, just like people, there's good monsters and bad monsters, and it's all up to the individual rather than, you know, X monster is bad. And the nuance uh, nuance today is wonderful. The nuance of it, you know, from going from sexy to, well, he's just like me. He's just, you know, like he just has a third arm or is, you know, sometimes turns into a bat, you know, like, yeah. (laughs) He has horns. So what? (laughs) I bet that's a real pain when you try to brush your hair. (laughs) Yeah. I like that about the, I like that today what we're doing to, you know, subvert the old tropes. Yes, it's definitely Mm -hmm. pretty awesome. And I wonder if that's kind of part of the definition of what paranormal is too, that it kind of takes the things that scare us and subverts them into something else. You know, sometimes they're still scary. There's always bad guys in paranormal stories too. You know, there's bad vampires or, you know, bad wizards or bad whatever um but they're not bad because they're a wizard they're bad because they're bad <laughs> it's it's more of an action rather than how what what um category of paranormal that they fell under yeah definitely mm. and i think that's a, a good kind of place to slide into our next topic which is sort of like um the paranormal genre versus the lore that kind of underpins it. Um, and we've talked about this a little bit uh, previously. Um, the the things that 
came before that have turned into the paranormal genre or that um, contribute to the paranormal genre. Uh, what's your favorite of the, the lore things? Okay. So, I mean, I love a good ghost story and I love mythology. I mean, mm-hmm. mythology is one of the things I have studied. And so, but ghost stories are just a hobby of mine and I love them. And I think um, recently I heard about the white witch of Jamaica and I, I can't get, get into the details of this too much because I do not have the information in front of me, but I know that it is an actual historical woman who um, was a serial killer. She was um, born in an, um, the Caribbean and she um, ended up being orphaned very young raised by a practitioner of witchcraft and she kind of took it in and um took some of the darker elements of it and um she decided that she wanted to um just off her husband she got married she offed her first husband she ended up with his plantation she was terrible to his to his slaves and um she ended up killed by her own lover who was also her accomplice in many of her murders so she is supposed to haunt the mansion that she lived in and i feel like her story is one of those up uh, you know you know like she kind karma kind of paid her back you know she was a terrible mm-hmm. in life and ended up you know being in like and terrible to her lovers and it was her own lover that ended up killing her and i feel like that is one of those you know, moralistic in a good way things of, Hey, you're terrible to all these people. It will come back on to you. And (laughs) I, I like that story. And yeah. And then there's, Oh, well, I don't know the whole thing about lady Bathory, but um, vampires, a lot of the vampire lore comes from her and witches eating children because she was a noble woman in um, Europe who she, yeah, she had a lot of the virgins, under her um lady like her um her um lands that were supposed to be under her protection she had them killed and she bathed in their blood and so the lady of bathory was yeah lady bathory was known for that so those were some of my they're terrible horrible stories but i'm just fascinated by them (laughs) because what makes a person turn into what would be a horror story that that fascinates me and i think that the paranormal genre is influenced by these real life, these real life monsters. Oh, absolutely. And I think, um, I think a lot of the stories that we tell in the, the paranormal genre are not the same kind of moralistic stories. I don't think, Mm -hmm. um, but they are moralistic stories also. And I, I think we, um, we like to, to take those, uh, because it's, it's interesting to see how human nature kind of reacts to different situations, right? So, like, if you're in that, you know, Jamaica story, what do you do? Are you, are you the lover who, who kills her because you need to stop her? I guess in that case he probably didn't care so much about what she was doing, but you know, maybe she was yeah, a bitch I to think him or something. A, I don't know. She cursed his son or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. So he was like, Oh yeah, no, now you're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I think a lot of the stories that we tell in the genre are, are like that. You know, you, you put people in very fraught situations and, you know, it's intensified because there's magic and because there's uh, the spiritual and because there's all this stuff going on. And, you know, it makes it even more, uh, more charged and more extreme than it would have been. Yeah. Um, and we, we, uh, touched on mythology, uh, or yeah, we touched on mythology a little bit kind of at the beginning of that. Um, I think you and I both love a mythology story and stories based in mythology. Um, you do a lot of Greek stuff with yours. Um, I, I like Norse. I don't know why I've just always loved it. Yeah. yeah, Um, Like, yeah. One series is Celtic and one series is Greek, but I definitely throw in the kitchen sink in there just because I'm like, everything's real. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's the fun thing too. I mean, I, I really feel like, um, when, stories kind of say oh there's this one mythology is true but none of the rest of them are true it kind of ignores the fact that our world is a big and complicated place like there's all kinds of things in the world not just you know whatever your favorite mythology is um there's so much that you can take and adapt and make better i think oh Definitely, like like just like the legends of vampires and zombies. There's mm-hmm. so many cultures around the world. I mean, a lot gets you know because of Bram Stoker, a lot gets attributed to Eastern Europe. But if you look, there are there's vampire stories or undead stories around the world, and and really rich you know histories of storytelling, and it's within you know you know different cultures and zombies another thing that's you know like that is around the world i mean witches definitely are a you know are also out of many cultures so like there's shapeshifters in asia there's shapeshifters in africa in europe in uh south america in north america like there are shapeshifters everywhere they're all slightly different um but yeah they're they're very um, they're very present in a lot of yeah. the lore going well, back. The, the monsters, you know, like, or, you know, what is called, considered a demon or an angel, mm. different cultures. I mean, it, have different takes. Like a lot of cultures, um, like the Kutsune are like, you know, the, the, they have, uh, there's like three or four different names for those. And, you know, the, uh, my brain is leaving me, but I think it's a nine-tailed fox. Sometimes she's kind of like a succubus. Sometimes, and sometimes, sometimes she's you know good luck. And so it depends on the region of where you're at and what the meaning of those monsters are like the fae in ireland everybody loves the like fae and fairy porn right now but i'm like oh when i think of the fae and even i make jokes and have fae in my books but like like i'm like when i think of them i think of gods and i think of you know wrathful ones or ones that you got to appease or your life isn't going to go well and i feel them closer to nature and i think a lot of that when it comes to mythology and our uh, it kind of goes back almost to a, like an animism thing, like dryads associated with trees. So you kind of like nature is a hard thing to control. So if you can deify that or make it into a 
or personify that into a being, you get a better understanding of it because you can you can relate better to something that has like almost human-ish qualities about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I can't believe we forgot the Fae when we were first talking about the things, but you're absolutely right. And uh, I, I feel like the Fae are, are very much to me that sort of deification of nature um, because nature can be cruel and nature doesn't really care about you. <laughs> nature just does its own thing. Um, and that is for me very much what the Fae are all about. You know, they're, they're oh, kind of oh, inscrutable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we can take things from it and it, it is what keeps us alive, literally, but also it can kill you in a second <laughs> without even really acknowledging anything about you, um, which has always seemed like a very fey thing to me, where they're just like capricious and they, they don't want, they don't care about your rules or whatever you think is right. They just do whatever they feel. Um, I mean, yeah, like, like nature, like it's, it's, it's not good or bad. It's just what it is. And mm-hmm. I think we get that more with ancient cultures and religion is that there's not a good or a bad there. It's just things that exist and we have to learn how to coexist with it and it's moods. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Definitely. I agree with you about the fate and like nature. Definitely. And I think that kind of dovetails a little bit with, um, you know, kind of what we were talking about with angels and demons, too, because um, angels and demons are obviously like a very religious thing, but not just our current day religions. Like a lot of people think that, you know, it just has to do with Christianity and whatever, but like it goes back those concepts go back before those names were even used for those things. Um, you know, there, there were always like demonic figures that, um, you know, did, did evil just because they wanted to do evil. And then there were protectors who, who protected humans for whatever reasons, maybe benevolent reasons, or maybe just cause they felt like it. Um, and we use the words like angels and demons now, but there have been so many different um, names for all of those things over the years. And they've just kind of come forward with us into where we are now. Something more powerful than us as a protector or a um, punisher, it just takes us to childhood where our parents were, you know, you know, like almost godlike with their power of, you know, deeming if you've done a good job or done a bad job. And I think that that translated into story as powerful figures like that, like just going back to, you know, like childhood and just having something greater than you to depend on, it helps a lot of people cope. <laughs> <laughs> or it's really true <laughs> keeps people that might be doing some things they shouldn't be like oh i really don't want this demon to come and get me <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think that's that's important too that it was used as kind of a well you shouldn't do bad or else you're gonna end up you know wherever oh, like, you're gonna end up and you're not gonna like it <laughs> the baba yaga or the or the boogeyman it's just like yeah if you don't do this thing or that thing you know like this or hey give me your tooth <laughs> this fairy will come and get it nobody thought that was creepy in childhood <laughs> you know or i'm pretty sure like, i always thought it was creepy at least a little i'm like why does this fairy even want my tooth 
<laughs> it's kind of gross. <laughs> you used to watch this show called Teen Titans Go. I mean, it's a, a DC show or whatever, but like they had an episode with the tooth fairy. He was just like eating the teeth. <laughs> and it was just oh. like, that's why he watched that. <laughs> There's been many takes on the tooth fairy and like Jack Frost, the nature, you know, spirit or whatever. But yeah, that one just creeped me out. Well, you know, an elf wants to be climbing into your you know, down your chimney and you know giving gifts. That's cool. We'll feed him to make sure that he doesn't take the children along with him. But here you come. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, there's always a price. You want presents, you got to give up the kids or we, the cookies, whatever. We, we like to think we're modern, but we're taking very old pagan traditions and just like, here, let's put this elf on the shelf to watch you. <laughs> so we, like, we still have that in our culture today. We have, you know, those, yeah. those angels and demons of, you know, modern world. Yeah, a lot of that has come forward through the years and, and people don't even really think about it. You know, we, we we just think about, oh, well, there's, you know, Santa Claus and an elf on a shelf and that's all very modern. And, and I, I love the people who are like, it's all very consumer. And I'm like, is it though? I mean, <laughs> we've been doing this a long time. We used to make the yeah. thing, you know, like the little figure. Like that story goes back a long way in, in a lot of different forms. We're oh, not, we're not as clever as we think we are. A watcher of some sort. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or a judger. He gets to judge if you're naughty or nice. Yeah. And based on that, we'll either give you uh, a punishment or, you know, a reward. Um, like that, that's, that's an old story. Yeah. <laughs> Especially to motivate children children like that that's how you make children behave you have to dangle a reward or a punishment or something um and that that's how it works we've we've been touching on this a little bit um kind of where uh paranormal and fantasy and horror all kind of butt up against each other um what how much of what we consider paranormal would you say is could be shelved under fantasy or could be shelved under horror just as easily. I think it's the intention on which you use the paranormal elements. Like we were talking earlier, I think with fantasy, it's usually in a world that is not our own. There is contemporary and urban fantasy where the world's a, a butt or mix, you know, but sometimes there's, there's always that veil that keeps you, you know, keeps one from the other. I think what defines paranormal as a genre in a, the whole Venn diagram of paranormal and fantasy and horror, what, what separates it out is intention of the story. What are, what is this story trying to do? Um, mm. Like, supernatural was for pure entertainment there wasn't really a moral story there that was pure entertainment and it went on for many 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 years and some people will call it horror but i'm like eh, that story that story was not to scare people there were scary elements but i feel it was more paranormal than horror because the focus was on the relationship between the brothers and their found mm-hmm. family. And, you know, like, of course, the dad relationship was part of it, too. But it was really about Sam and Dean. If we want to get into you know pop culture references, it was really about Sam and Dean. Whereas horror is about escaping the monsters or getting caught by the monsters. I, I watched, you know, like, how will the monster change who you are when you when that, when you have to be chased by one? I mean, that is mine. Fantasy 
fantasy, it's you're just in another world, you know, and you're dealing with the monsters and demons, and it's not this world. And it's almost fantasy for me feels like an, a complete escape, like mm. just different circumstances, but it's still examining our world just through a different lens. I think for me, I think you're totally right. Um, but uh, kind of circling back a little bit to um, what I said earlier about what doesn't belong in paranormal. I feel like the, the monster stories that are to scare you uh, and you know, th there's no moral gray area when the monsters are just evil, they're, they're coming to kill you because they feel like killing you. Um, those are the ones that belong in horror. You know, they don't even have to have a reason. They, they just, they, they want to end you for whatever reason that is. And you have to try to escape. Like you were saying, you have to, to try to beat them somehow or kill them or do something. Um, and those, those feel pretty clearly like, as belonging to horror for me. Um, I think the line between fantasy and you were kind of going there a little bit in your answer. Um, it, it's much harder because sure, there are things that are obviously fantasy. Like, you know, they take place in a different world, a world that's not this one. Um, and so those are obviously fantasy, but then there are also fantasy stories that are told um, in this world that may or may not, um, be considered paranormal. And I think this is a little bit where that um, magical realism line comes into play. Um, so is it is it th that the real world is just magical inherently, or is there something that happened to the world to make it magical? Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that might be where the line is if I had to pick a line. I don't know. Hmm. And how, how would you define, like, how would you define it then? Would you define it as the world is magical or something has happened to the world? How would you, how would you take that? Because it's really hard to disentangle paranormal from these other two genres. Like they're yeah. like, they're all sisters and, you know, they're, and they all are categorized in the, the BISAC or whatever they call it, B-I-S-A-C, and I forget what that stands for, categories, they're all under fantasy, like mm -hmm. paranormal, or urban fantasy, um, regular family, you know, like epic, you know, like the subgenres go on forever and they're probably keep on going and, you know, subdividing within it. Yeah. Um, like the, the RPG, another one, um, you know. So what would you, how would you just like, if you had, if you could, pretty much section it off but like what does it meet in that venn diagram what, what, do, right. what do you think so actually when you were saying lit rpg i was like oh yeah right so, so lit rpg also kind of takes place in our present day but sort of uh it's like a portal fantasy, right? So it, it's in our present world, but you, you're transported to another world um, where, you know, magic or whatever is, is real. Um, but it's like a, a part of this world. It's like a, a sub, I don't know, a subdomain or something of this world. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's really, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, right. That's, that's a whole other can of worms that I hadn't even really thought of because lit RPG definitely belongs in fantasy, but it's not urban fantasy because that's kind of, urban fantasy is more like there's magic in our current world and lit RPG is more like, but there's another world where there's magic that's like butting up against ours. Um, 
And so, yeah, the, that, that line is really even fuzzier than I thought it was. <laughs> like I always knew it was fuzzy, but it's really fuzzy. You know, in my, in my head, no, this is fantasy and this is paranormal. I was like, well, it's going to be so easy. Sword and sorcery is fantasy and witches <laughs> and witches and vampires are paranormal, but they, they're, they're because humans have incredible imaginations a lot of it's getting married right now i mean and even before in the past i mean it's cyclic you know like it it'll all get delineated and then come back together and you know like yeah separate well, i mean like so it, it, even if you're taking just like tolkien right like the elves in tolkien are obviously based on the fae but they're very different and they're the same in, in a lot of aspects. And so like, even when you go back to what a lot of people would call like foundational texts or whatever in fantasy, like he's borrowing from other things too. He, oh, he the has taken these books. There's Yes. So it's, it's very interesting to try to like cut that line, I think, because I think really they, they do belong together in a lot of places. I think you're right. Sword and sorcery is, is kind of its own thing. Um, and like epic fantasy is kind of its own thing. Um, and paranormal is, is pretty easy to pull apart from that for sure. Um, but then I feel like paranormal has been more inclusive for a longer time than fantasy has. I mean, oh, I get myself in trouble with everything I say in this first episode, but no, I mean, no, I agree with you because there's a lot of rules to, to what is a fantasy or not. And like, when I write like secondary world fantasies, I, I always run up against those things because like, I don't want to have it have elves and I don't want to have it have whatever, because that to me feels too much like this world, even it, even though Tolkien's world is specifically not our world. But to me, anytime you start bringing that stuff in, you're, you're pulling aspects of our world into that world. What has been represented has been predominantly from one culture. I think with paranormal, I, I saw more, characters representing the, our actual world in, in paranormal than in fantasy because fantasy they'll have a dragon but they don't want it to not be northern european looking people in there and it's like not northern and so it's like okay if you can have a dragon anything goes <laughs> anything goes and i think that more authors are turning that way with fantasy but it was i think paranormal first was more inclusive of you know like other peoples and other cultures sometimes well, not in a healthy way but it started <laughs> i feel like that has to do with a lot of the and and we're gonna tiptoe past this because we actually do have another episode we want to yes, do that's all about we're gonna talk about it yes um but uh, I, I feel like that has to do with pushback from fans, you know, it, like uh, the the new uh, Lord of the Rings show. I can't even remember what the name of it was, but like there was so much pushback because there were like black elves and everybody was like, well, elves can't be black. And yeah. like, oh, gosh. oh, everybody. <laughs> You can have dragons, but you can't have black people for, for whatever reason, well, whatever arbitrary reason you would like to invent. Um, um, I, I have to retract. I just said Holly Bear and that's not her name. Holly, um, Holly. Um. <laughs> um, well, while, while you're looking that up, I will say, uh, I feel like th the reason that um, 
epic fantasy and that kind of fantasy has not been inclusive is that reason because it was so close to Halle Bailey yes Bailey not yeah you're right um (laughs) she's wonderful so I I feel like the reasoning is because that was so firmly based in like European myths. And because of that, people were like, Oh, well you can't have, you know, X, Y, Z there because this was supposed to take place in Europe. And first of all, anybody who actually believes there were no people of color in medieval Europe are just wrong. (laughs) But aside from that, I feel like that was authors, first of all, being influenced by what had come before them because nobody had written people of color into fantasy in those areas and also that they didn't want to have to to run up against that difficulty. And so when you write something in the modern world, it's much easier to be like, okay, there's Asian people because, hey, there's Asian people here now, you know? And so I like that better. I, I definitely feel more comfortable um, when worlds are a little more inclusive. And especially the older I get, I think I always view casts that are predominantly white and don't have anyone else in there with a little bit of suspicion just because i'm like you weren't even trying (laughs) you didn't even try shonda rhimes just took like historical fiction and she said no we're just gonna do what we're gonna do in this show with you know like the bridgerton and all that and i love it because and and those shows are so well written beautifully shot not paranormal but like it's Mm. fantasy in a sense if you're taking to another time and a place and you're making it the way that you want it to be it's a type of fantasy and it's you know that's awesome but yes they should do that with the gail Carriger books because then it would be paranormal and it would be amazing yes shonda fine fine gail Carriger. shonda if you're watching which you're not go talk to gail Carriger. i'm I'm talking like i know her i don't (laughs) shonda baby please uh yeah because as soon as you said that i was like oh yeah we could have historical and with magic that would be great oh yeah Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, And I feel like that's a really good segue, actually, to another point that we wanted to talk about, which was kind of like, what were our gateways into the genre? You know, what Uh, were the the things that that pulled you into paranormal? Why do you love it? What what started your love? So in high school, I was a weirdo who read a lot of classical literature not assigned and i like the feel of that but i also love those remember we were talking earlier about those v vampire movies and i got my hands on interview with a vampire i i had this goth friend and she was like here you need to read this and i was 16 years old and as a queer i was like oh i see how this is coded and maybe she didn't mean to but i was like thank you thank you thank you thank you because there was many elements in those books and i know now Anne rice like you know like it's it it, it you, you surface she was a lot doing of her best <laughs> she's doing her best but like yeah we have things going on with that especially like well you know mayfair which is i love those books but yes incest things like that yeah we're anyways without getting but one of my earliest paranormal influences and that that was not horror that was you know paranormal and it also had like a you know like you know went back in time and and you know, and, and to the future that the whole series was really great um yeah, the Vampire Chronicles and um, Laurel K. Hamilton. 
uh, someone said, uh, I see, I was reading um, Jacqueline Carey. She's fantasy, but um, some, I went, no, my, my ex went into Barnes and Nobles and said, Hey, this person is having a book hangover before there was a book hanger hangover. How can you help her? And they're like, Oh, if they, they like Jacqueline Carey, they're going to love Laurel K. Hamilton. And I did, I really did. And so <laughs> it, like, I feel it, like that's a questionable recommendation. I mean, I'm glad you liked it, but to me, those feel oh, like yeah. wildly different things. Oh yeah. I think I like, I liked her books, but we got in our conversation on that and um up to a point and then i felt that they went in a direction that and i understand because she's been very vocal why she went in that direction when people were mm-hmm. telling her don't have sex in books she was like i'm gonna put more in there and, <laughs> what was that more sex okay <laughs> <laughs> and i think that i think that like i liked it as an introduction and then i started to devour everything i possibly could within the genre of urban fantasy and paranormal books i just started devouring it and i haven't looked back i just love it so much i'm like well i could read broadly again but why bother why <laughs> other than my research which is a lot of history mythology and and mythology textbooks you know and also fun stuff like I, I buy monster guides still i'm 48 years old this month and i still buy monster guides because <laughs> they're, they're they, the art's gorgeous and yeah it's always they always little fun tidbits in them i didn't come to jacqueline carey until much much later um and she does have an urban fantasy series um it is not very much like her um Cushel series, unfortunately, at least I don't think so. Um, but uh, I I feel like Cushel's is very much right on the edge of paranormal, and I think the reason we we don't put it there has to do with it being historical rather than being in another world. At least that's what I feel personally about fantasy. it. We all know it's France. <laughs> right, right. We all know it's France, and other country was Germany or something. I can't remember, but yeah, we all know. Yeah. we all know what it was. We all know it was Europe, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I feel like it's it's very paranormal e. Like it, it's very, very. It very much belongs with paranormal. I feel like. Um, uh, so I came to her much later. Uh, my first forays into paranormal. Um, well, I, I th- we mentioned it before. I started reading like Stephen King. I read a lot of horror when I was a teenager um, into college. Uh, I actually didn't read for pleasure very much in college. I was too busy reading like college stuff. Um, so I kind of fell away from reading for a while. But when I was done with that, I came back and uh, some of the first books that I picked up after I came back were uh, Sean and McGuire. Uh, her October Day series was probably, I think, the first paranormal I read. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> it's in the modern world, but there's magic and there's fae and there's ghosts and this is amazing. And uh, so that was kind of my gateway uh 
into the the genre. And it's interesting because um, I am notoriously not a finisher of things. So like when there's a super, super long series, I make it to about four and, and I fall off after that. I'm not a completionist, drives my husband crazy. Uh, like when we're playing video games or whatever, I stop halfway and I'm like, I'm good. I don't need any more. Um, but that is like an example of a series that has gone on for years and years and years and is still going on. Um, and uh, yeah, I only ever read, I think, four or five of them. And I was like, no, we're, we're good here. And I have done that through all of my paranormal hijinks, basically. From there, I went to like uh, Patricia Briggs. Uh, she has like a, a whole bunch of werewolf books. I've only ever read like a handful of those. And I think what happened was... Uh, when I was reading them, uh, only like four or five of them had come out. So I stopped when I was done and I just never picked them up again. I went on to other things. Um, and, you know, maybe someday I'll come back to some of those series and finish them up. But I almost feel like uh, the genre has just gotten better um, as the years have gone on. And I don't feel the need to go back to those anymore because I feel like they're, I don't want to say dated like in a bad way, but we've come a long way, baby. <laughs> You know, we we don't need to be there anymore. Yeah. Who I read now, I mean, yeah, is definitely different than who I read even 10 years ago. Like Mm -hmm. what I read now, these were the people like when when I said I was reading Anne Rice, that was in 91, you know, like 1991. So it's 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 been a bit like 30 something years, you know. So, yeah. And yeah. And it's funny. Um there's a lot more asked of us now, even though some authors aren't doing it, there's a lot more asked of us to do, you know, work and, and be more inclusive and to um, represent the world better if we're going to represent it. And yeah, at the same time, not tell experiences that aren't our own. And so, um, yeah, definitely what I read now is different. I don't finish everything. I feel bad feel bad about that. I used to, but there's a few series that I have read every single book and I'll read it over and over again. And it's par- it's paranormal. It's listed as urban fantasy, but the Kate Daniels series by Alona Andrews, I'll Ooh. read that series over and over and over again because <laughs> even though there is violence and all kinds of things that go on in those books, I'm telling you that it's my comfort read. I just like that Kate collects the monsters and the killers and she makes them her family. <laughs> like, I don't know why, I don't know why, you know, like, but I love them. And, you know, like they've actually, they're writing a few you know, spinoff series. And I just, I'm one of those super fans that like will read everything. I, I, I have my own publishing schedule, so I don't get to read them as avidly as before I was an author, but I used to read like whatever they threw up on their website as it came out but um yeah but i am exactly the same about series i will get to book five on you but by book t- 10 if we're not together anymore i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i was as you were talking i was struggling to think if there was actually a series that i had ever finished and i don't think so unless it was like a trilogy or something like then of course i can finish it but like even going back to my fantasy reading before i got into paranormal like the only one is wheel of time. And there are very specific reasons why I finished that one. And I felt like I had to, we're not going to get into it, but like, that is the only one. Um, Otherwise, what was that? I've never read it. I know. Oh, I mean, hundred percent. Don't a hundred percent. Don't I do not recommend it to anyone, but 
uh, I was reading it as it came out in high school and it was very sort of foundational for me as the writer I became, I think. Um, And you know, my brother and I were reading it together. And so it was a thing that we did together and it just, that's the reason that I finished it. But, um, I, I don't recommend it. <laughs> and the, the show is really good though. So you should watch the show. Don't read the books. That's, that's my, my hot take on wheel of time. <laughs> um, it, it, unless you had already started reading it, then maybe you want to finish it, but you should Did never Brandon pick up the Sanderson first Did take over that series or was it another? Yes. Uh, yeah. After Robert Jordan died, he wrote the last three or four books. I can't remember if it was three or four now. Um, but yeah, Brandon Sanderson finished up that series afterwards. Um, but that's the only one I have ever finished in my life. I just don't finish things. Um, I am a, a consummate not finisher of media. Um, there was even one game that I was playing with my husband called Persona 5. And he's like, you're like 20 minutes from the end. Are you ever going to finish it? And I was like, nah. <laughs> I don't need to. The story goes on. <laughs> that, that's what I do. And and I realized that not too long ago because someone actually questioned me on that. They're like, why don't you want to finish things? And I was like, because it doesn't end if I don't finish it. It just keeps going into I'm the future. i out with everybody in my <laughs> Right. Like, I, I don't like endings. Maybe that's what it is. Mm. And I, I like it when things just continue. Um, and yeah. if I don't reach the end, then it just continues. And I can, you know, write my own headcanon. And I have a lot of headcanon of a lot of different things. Um, and it, it's a beautiful place. My head is a beautiful place. <laughs> I think with me, the reason why I can't finish is if... <sighs> things get formulaic and you know where the next thing is going to happen because it's happened in five other books or when people are happily settled and everything's good. Oh no, we're going to make this bad. You know, like I was yeah. like, oh, no, that happens in real life. And the, yeah, and I hate that bait and switch. Gonna, like <laughs> the last book was a happily ever after, except now it's not because we need to write another book. Someone from their past has come into this yeah. and they want to or not someone only dies her or... husband, but yeah. her throne. You know, like, it's like, what? Yeah. No, that is, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really um, but it was, we totally do need that in fiction, just not for me as a reader. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing too. Not everything is for everybody. Like there are plenty of things that are not for me and that's fine. Like people can go on enjoying them forever. I, I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> um, so I think we're coming up on the hour mark. So I think we're going <laughs> to call an end to this first episode. Um, wow. That was fast <laughs> yeah it was fast i looked down at the clock i was like wow we only got like four minutes left um <laughs> My uh, we do oh, have we don't have enough to talk about we're just gonna not make it <laughs> i knew that wasn't gonna happen both of us can talk forever <laughs> Um, so our next episode is going to be the one that we had, uh, talked about a little bit during this one. Um, that's going to be about other media. We kind of just 
pushed it off into its own thing because we realized we could go on like a whole other uh, series of rants just about like TV shows that we watched when we were teenagers and all those things. So that's what's coming up next. Um, and we've got a few other really cool episodes planned. We've got one that's all about monsters. Um, we've got uh, one that's all about tropes. Uh, so there's going to be some really, really cool episodes coming up. Um, I and have feelings. <laughs> I, have, I have feelings about so many things. Things. Um, <laughs> we're going to have some cool guests that we're lining up right now to, to come oh, along with I'm us and, so and talk with us. Um, as soon as we uh, have details about that stuff, we will let you know uh, in all the places that we are. Oh, I guess we should say we have a Facebook page that is uh, Paranormal Wishes. Uh, we also have an Instagram and a TikTok. Yes, we have a TikTok. <laughs> um, so we will be in all of those places and you can join us there. We will link to them in the, the note things that I have yet to figure out, but I'm definitely going to figure them out. Um, and uh, you can follow us there and keep track of our hijinks whenever we have hijinks to have. Um, Tammy, is there anything you would like to say as we wrap up? Um, not a lot. We do have a web. Oh, wait, we do have a website coming. And for our TikTok, we are going to be making some fun little promotional skits and things so please follow us there it's going to be fun and there'll be clips from this and you can actually see what we look like and how we facial react to what we're saying (laughs) and um we've really worked on our lighting so you know please watch (laughs) we've really really worked on our lighting i hope it's great (laughs) we spent like 20 minutes talking about lighting before we even started (laughs) now they're all going to be like wow okay it's still there and then they go and watch it and they're like well (laughs) please come into the comments and tell us how to make our lights better that would be amazing (laughs) All right. Uh, And without further ado, we are going to say goodbye and we will talk to you next time. All right. Go ahead. Wave. Wait. (laughs)